Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. chapter. We're going to take a look at verses 1 through 11. So again, this is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil left him. And suddenly angels came and waited on him. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Friends, what's the difference between testing and temptation? You ever thought of that before? The difference between testing and temptation? I read this week that testing develops character and achieves approval, while temptation solicits evil and achieves disapproval. The difference is the motive behind the situation. Let me give you an example. We started outdoor track this week at the high school. And there again, let me coach the distance runners. And the practices for most of the week have seen the distance runners and throwers and jumpers and everybody training as one. Well, Friday was the first day where everybody got to split up into their particular discipline. And after warming and stretching up, each person ran a timed 400, which meant that we timed to see how fast they could run one lap around the track. Now, was that a test? I think it was. The test was, can you do it? If you can't do it, what do we need to do to help you do it? If you can do it, what do we need to do to help you do it better? What was the temptation? 
to not do it, to do it halfway, to complain about it, to say, I'm tired, my leg hurts, I don't feel like it, right? And then once I had the distance kids all to myself, what we decided was, well, let's not work too terribly hard today. They ask me what they ask me every practice. Coach, what are we going to do today? And the answer is always the same. We're going to run. <laughs> so what we did was we ran from the high school to Marsh's Lighthouse, waited for everybody to gather, then we ran back and finished a lap on the track and walked a lap on the track. Now, was that a test? Yeah. Again, can you do it? Can you not? If you can't, what do we need to do to help you get there? If you can, what can we do to make you better? What were the temptations? Not doing it. Walking. Shortcuts. Not giving you best effort. <laughs> Shortcuts do happen. <laughs> We've talked about that before. <laughs> Quitting on the spot. Those were all the temptations. Now notice this. The testing and the temptation did not come from the same place. Testing and the temptation did not come from the same place. We see both in our lesson this morning. Let me read you this from one of my commentaries. It said, The Father through the Spirit led Jesus to be tested in order to confirm him in his role as the Messianic Son and servant. Yet the devil tempted Jesus to achieve Messianic status by using his prerogative selfishly in disobedience to the son-servant paradigm. The father's aim was to accredit Jesus, the devil's to discredit Jesus. Testing and temptation not coming from the same place. And it's not just here, right? It's in other scriptures as well. It's from what Heidi read this morning. Adam and Eve were tested by God. Don't eat the fruit. They were tempted by who? Job was tested by God to remain faithful. He was tempted by who? Yeah. God tested the people of Israel time and time again, and yet their constant failures were because they fell to temptations in regards to idolatry and complaining and questioning of leadership. I bring this up because I'm concerned that sometimes we tend to downplay the work of the enemy in our communities and in our churches. Maybe particularly in our churches. I remember one of the sermons that God led me to preach in Camden was on Luke 4. And if you read down around verse 33, you're reading about Jesus is in a synagogue and Jesus is teaching. But then it says, and in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And I told them what I'm telling you this morning, what that shows us is that the devil shows up on Sunday mornings too. Just because you're here doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. Just because you're doing our daily readings every day as we try to read the whole Bible together doesn't mean you're going to be tempted. Just because you pray, just because you left here Wednesday with ashes on your forehead, just because you're in a small group somewhere does not mean you're not going to be tempted. I mean, Jesus had just been baptized. And the next thing you know, he's in the wilderness being tempted. Jesus, our Savior, 
He who knew no sin baptized with the very voice of God proclaiming to everybody within earshot, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This Jesus, ever having fasted for 40 days and nights, was tempted three times. Why would we think we would be any better? J.C. Ryle says this, Let it never surprise us if we are tempted by the devil. Let us rather expect it as a matter of course if we are living members of Christ. That mighty spirit who did not fear to attack Jesus himself is still going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That murderer and liar who vexed Job and overthrew David and Peter still lives and is not yet bound. If he cannot rob us of heaven, he will at any rate make our journey there painful. If he cannot destroy our souls, he will at least bruise our heels. Let us beware of thinking lightly of his power. Let us rather put on the whole army of God and cry to the strong for strength. Let us watch and pray daily against his devices. There is no enemy worse than an enemy who was never seen, who is near to us wherever we live, and goes with us wherever we go. Now friends, I bring this up simply to say to you that we've got to stop being ashamed about being tempted. We've got to be honest with ourselves about where our temptations lie, be honest about proclaiming them, and then address them. To be tempted in and of itself is not a sin. It is the yielding to the temptation and giving it a place in our hearts that we must fear. But friends, what we also need to know is that when temptations come, we don't face them alone. We face our temptations with Jesus by our side. Again, from one of my commentaries, what a sympathizing Savior our Lord is. Believers should never forget that they have a mighty friend in heaven who feels for them in all their temptations and can enter into all their spiritual anxieties. Are they ever tempted to distrust God's care and goodness? So was Jesus. Are they ever tempted to presume on God's mercy and run into danger without warrant? So was Jesus. Are they ever tempted to commit some one great private sin for the sake of some great seeming advantage? So was Jesus. Are they ever tempted to listen to some misapplication of Scripture as an excuse for doing wrong? So was Jesus. He is just the Savior that a tempted people require. Let them flee to him for help and spread before him all their troubles. They will find his ear ever ready to hear and his heart ever ready to feel. He can understand their sorrows. The Lord Jesus is not a harsh man. He knows what we mean when we complain of temptation and is both able and willing to give help. Jesus is there. Ear ready to hear. Heart ready to feel. Do you believe that? Amen. Does that bring you comfort and courage? Yes. Comfort and courage to face your own temptation? And to be shown by Jesus how? Because that is the question, isn't it? Well, how was Jesus able to withstand temptation? It would seem that his immediate quotation of appropriate scripture when under temptation, shows us that he was well aware of the past failures of God's people because he's quoting from Deuteronomy when he speaks here. 
But Jesus is well aware of the past failures of God's people and the reasons for their failures. Which means what? Hey, Jesus knew his Bible. Jesus knew Scripture. But he was also very conscious of the presence and leading of the Holy Spirit. Similarly, friends, you and I can withstand temptation by knowing Scripture and being strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Obedience and victory in the face of temptation come from knowing what God commands and having the capacity to do it. Right? Knowing what God commands and then having the capacity to do it. If we regularly study our Bible and humbly depend upon the Holy Spirit to strengthen us to obey it, then we can successfully resist the enemy. You say, well, how can you be so sure? And I say, I'm glad you asked. It's because of the temptations that Matthew lines out for us here. It tells us what kind of Lord we follow, what kind of Messiah we serve. Because as Matthew is recording these temptations, what he is doing is he's revealing us exactly to us exactly who Jesus is. He is showing us the depths of Christ's love for us. He's showing us his dedication to God's mission that he saved the world by his own suffering. The first temptation is of Jesus' regards to himself. Satan comes up to Jesus after 40 days of fasting and tempts him to do something for himself. Now, eating in and of itself, I guess, is not a sin. Maybe if you eat too much. But if Jesus truly is the Son of God, yeah, he can use his miraculous powers to turn stones into bread. Satan says, hey, Jesus, use your divine power to take care of yourself. But Jesus did not come into this world to care for himself. He came to care for you. His power will be made known in his weakness as he offered his life for you. So Jesus reveals that he lives by self-denial. He rules his life by denying himself in order that he might give you all that he has. And that includes helping us deal with temptation. The second temptation is regards to Jesus' role as Israel's Savior. Israel has long struggled with seeing and believing and worshiping God. And so Satan tempts Jesus to place himself at the highest point in the temple where all Israel can see him, and then to cast himself down, revealing that he is, in fact, the Son of God, because God will send holy angels to rescue him, lest his foot be dashed on the stone, it says. But Jesus will not rule Israel by some display of power. He will rule Israel again by his weakness. Battered, bruised, and bloody, he will die on a cross under which is a sign that says, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Jesus will be Israel's Messiah, not by falling from the temple, but by raising a new one. He will build that temple on his death and resurrection, the foundation of God's love, which restores all things, including you and including me. Regardless of the temptations we face, God wants to fight them with us and restore us to the people he wants us to be. The third temptation concerns Jesus' role as Lord of the nations. Satan takes Jesus to a high mountain, shows him everything. Says, hey, you can have it if you just bow down and worship me. Of course, what he didn't know is that, yeah, Jesus did come to rule the nations. But he'll do it by submitting to his father's will, not to Satan's will. 
He'll be the Lord of all nations when God puts that in Jesus' hand. His death will take the punishment for all sin, for all people, for all time, and his resurrection will bring life and restoration to all things. By bowing to the will of his Father, Jesus will rise to bring news of salvation to the ends of the world. Yeah, Jesus is going to stand on a mountain one day. When he does, it's when he's telling the disciples, go, teach, baptize, bring news of my salvation to all the ends of the earth. Tell everybody. Jesus saved. So today at the beginning of Lent, we remember the very beginning of Jesus' ministry when he was tempted by Satan. In that temptation, Jesus has revealed the mystery of his kingdom. He didn't come to save himself. He came to accomplish his Father's will. He came to accomplish his Father's will and bring us the experience and full extent of God's love. Because God does love you. And God loves me. God loves all of us. So friends, what tempts you? What is it that the enemy knows he can use to separate you from God? To make you doubt God's provision, or God's love, or God's strength? Understand, there's no weakness in naming it and addressing it. Jesus longs for us to be joined bring to him those places in our lives that need to be strengthened and straightened. I had coffee this week with Pastor Ivy down at the Assemblies Church on Wingina. And he and I got to talking about the revival that's taking place at Asbury. We talked about it before in here. And we talked about how sometimes that word revival gets thrown around a lot to mean things that may or may not be necessarily revival. And one thing he said that I agree with 100% is this. To truly have a revival means you have to name and admit that there are things that are dead and have to be brought back to life. You have to be willing to state and admit those things in your life personally and those things going on in your community of faith that are cold, dead, and need to be revived and made alive again. That's what happened at Asbury. I went back and watched the chapel sermon that started the whole thing. And um, I'm the last person to ever, ever, ever criticize another preacher. But I didn't get a whole lot out of it. And in fact, the guy that preached it, his name is Zach Mirkreaves, he thought it was terrible. In fact, he texted his wife when he got done. He said, another stinker. I'll be home soon. But a few there felt compelled to stay. And they prayed. And then more came. And then more came. And then more came. And they prayed for forgiveness. They prayed for protection. They prayed for strength to withstand temptation. And revival started not because of the greatest sermon ever preached. Seemingly in spite of a sermon that was preached. The revival started because they were willing to admit those places where they were dead and pray for the Holy Spirit to awaken them. You want revival? Start with being honest with yourself. Where is that place for you? What place in your life do you need to turn over to the Holy Spirit? 
What temptations do you find yourself falling into that lead to sin? This period of Lent is a time to reflect on where we are in our walks with the Lord. To admit to ourselves those temptations we struggle with and then to seek the Lord's guidance in dealing with them. So friends, don't hide from it. Don't be ashamed of it. Bring them out into the light. Asking the power and strength of the Holy Spirit to guide you in being rid of them once and for all. Temptations are very real and so is the enemy. But thanks be to God, we know how the story ends, don't we? The victory has been won, friends. What do we have to fear? Read your Bibles. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Feel the love of God. Live the abundant life that he has given you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.